Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, Safety Sucks, the bullshit in the safety profession they don't tell you about. Head on over to Amazon and get yourself a copy. You can also find it at Barnes & Noble and many other places that you find books. We're also brought to you by PaleHorseMedia.co. Head on over to www.PaleHorseMedia.co. You can check out this podcast, Hey Y'all with Sam. You can check out really, um, we'll just say effing, really effing scary stories and all kinds of other great stuff. We have videos over there. One of my favorite places is the merch shop. You can get your favorite merch from all of the shows that we have going on from t-shirts to hats to just really, really cool stuff. So head on over to PaleHorseMedia.co. .co for more. Last but not least, we're brought to you by hopuniversity.org, your source for on-demand human and organizational performance training. You can also get into contact there uh, if you want us to come out, hang out with you, teach you some hop stuff, do stuff in person, on-site, all that kind of stuff. Head on over to hopuniversity.org. <laughs> Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. I hope that you are doing absolutely amazing in this wild and crazy world, wherever you find yourself. I've got to tell you, and I say this a bunch, but things are going really good here. I'm just having a blast. We're well off into 2021. Can you believe that? Can you believe it? It's like I close my eyes and then all of a sudden it's like basically freaking February, right? So um, I don't know. We'll see. Let's hope that this year is going to be one for the books, one that's going to be amazing. It's starting off pretty interesting. Let's we'll just leave it at interesting. And speaking of interesting, we have an amazing person on the podcast today. This is a continuation of our... <gasps> Safety Sucks, the miniseries. And today is awesome because we have someone that just rocks. The one, the only, the super cool, the hashtag Hopnerd UK, James McPherson. I'm super, super duper excited. And I've, I've got to shout this out real quick. I don't, I don't remember if I've, if I've done this yet, but I have to. So I've been using this program, Calendly, to basically book podcast stuff. So if you're in this, look, no, they're not a sponsor, nothing like that. But I have to give a credit where credit's due because I've, I've forgotten to do that a couple of times <laughs> and I got called out on it in a friendly way, in a good way. Um, but, but first off, if you're a podcaster and you need an easier way to kind of book 
um, I don't know, maybe podcast interviews. Calendly is super, super awesome. But Mr. James McPherson is the one that turned me onto it. And I brought it up in another podcast and I forgot to give him credit. So there you go. There's credit. So let, let's get that out of the way. And now let's get into the even better stuff, which is the sucks of safety. James and I kind of hang out here and we talk about all kinds of stuff. When we get together, it just turns into just a blast and we go all over the place. I'll just warn you, that's just how that goes. If you're hanging out with me, you're probably used to it by now. Hashtag unscripted. We don't plan these freaking things, right? We just start the conversation, let the conversation go where it uh, goes and fingers crossed it's, it's good. And, you know, I think the finger crossing worked because I think this one's really good. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to got just need to have more of it. You're going to got to have more of it, right? You're just going to have to have it. So here we go, hanging out with the one, the only, the super cool James McPherson talking the sucks of the safety profession. Welcome back, oh. James. You're back. Oh. We're doing back a on the podcast. I know. We, we've only been sitting here chatting for an hour before we start this thing, just catching up. <laughs> I will not divulge what we've been talking about because we'll get, probably get us both in trouble talking about politics. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, and so well, welcome back to the Hot Nerd. So, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah. So you you've been on a few times now. Like what two? One I think two? so. At least two. I'm not sure if I. Ask. I always say to people like, "Oh, my mate Sam," and they're like, "Oh, yeah. who's that?" And I'm like, "Well, actually, I've never met him." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, look, he lives in, in America. <laughs> in, in twenty in twenty twenty terms, twenty twenty one now, but at twenty twenty at the time, right? Mm. This this is meeting. This is how this is how you meet people. This is totally. almost like new age pen pal, right? You just, you totally. just do it through Zoom, right? <laughs> yes. Oh God, man! I had a pen pal once, and uh-huh. I think I wrote him one letter, and he wrote me one letter, and then that was it. Yeah, this is, like, <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is totally like the modern day equivalent of a pen pal. Yeah. I've never thought of it like that. You, so you think about that and, and um, so like, like you and I chatting and folks that, I've, that I chat with kind of frequently now, at least with some frequency, right? Kind of all yeah. around the world. Yeah. That, as you said, like there are people that I feel like I have known at least the majority of my life now that I've just met over the course of the last year and have never met face to face. And I'm like, just, just feel like, like we're BFFs. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, just, it's just like you live down the street and we're going to hang out, you know, it's, it's mm. just, it's so similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so cool, man. So um, we brought you on to talk mm-hmm. about something in particular. We've been doing this mini series um, on the sucks of safety. So I've kind of become known as like safety sucks, Sam, which I don't know if that's like a really good nickname or not, but it's kind of, kind of happened. <laughs> um, so we, we've been doing a mini series, really diving into the sucks of safety. And I wanted to ask you about that, but before we dive into that, um, you're a safety person, right? You're a safety professional. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for a while. Why don't you tell everybody out there um, kind of what it is that you do and how you got to doing that particular thing? Mm what it is I do. Oh, what do I do? What, what, <laughs> mate, I, what, to start off with one of the sucks of safety is we don't really have an identity, but we'll get onto that later. So yeah. I find it really difficult to tell people what I do. Like, have you ever seen them memes where the, like you have like five or six pictures and it says what I think I do, what my mates think I do, what my mum thinks I do. And so, and they're all completely different pictures. And yeah. then at the bottom it says what I actually do. Like, Safety needs one of those. Like I've, tef- I've tried to make it a few times, but I can't find good images that's funny enough. But 
what do I do? So I'm a, I'm a, uh, the head of health and safety and environment for a trade association in the UK. Um, and then you have, you must have, do you have like trade associations and things like that in America, don't you? Like it's not, yeah. yeah. I would say it's not like a England special thing. Um, so, um, we have, uh, uh, you know, numerous trade associations. My sector, uh, covers, uh, glass and glazing. Um, so, so we're basically the whole supply chain. We're very, we're one of very few trade associations that cover the entire supply chain of a product. So we cover people that manufacture flat glass all the way through to, you know, Bob's double glazing that installs it in your house. Um, wow. and then people that do some really cool stuff like architectural glass and, um, glass that you can walk on and really tall high-rise buildings and stuff like that so we've got some members that only do like high-rise glazing so like you got like the shard in london and stuff like that it's just nuts so yeah it's cool but I'm, i've actually not been with them very long i've only been with them seven months uh and uh, in my role as the hsc manager it's like it's kind of been a bit rubbish so far because i have not got out to see anyone i've not got to any of these cool jobs because we're mid-pandemic um but on the flip side it's been interesting to help an industry survive a global pandemic um which so pros and cons i suppose that's what I do now. Uh, on my side, I have a little bit of a strange hobby, as you, as do you, Sam, um, in which I also run a podcast called Rebrand and Safety, which is like, I call it the UK equivalent of, of the hot nerd because we are very similar. Except I think you know a lot more about hot than I do. Um, but we, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> <laughs> you take that compliment. You tell, you got five more. <laughs> um, and we also run a, a YouTube channel as well. So the, the, you know, funny enough that, that, that was all born out of a frustration of, of my role and, and, and our perception of health and safety, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what we do. Um, how did I get into this? Well, it's a, it's kind of a funny story. I was nothing more than a teenage layabout, um, I was a very unacademic young man. Um, didn't do. It. I mean, mate, you could spell the tail end of the of the wrong end of the alphabet with my GCSEs. Um, you know, use Fs and and Gs and all that rubbish. So you know, I I remember actually um, being told you will not account to anything other than a minimum wage job. Uh, a teacher once said that to me. Very inspiring lady she was. And, um, so yeah, it sounds like I, we have similar, similar schools. Man. It's really <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We have similar schools as well. This is scary. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, that was, uh, that, that kind of puts me into context as, um, you know, I, and I didn't really, I wanted to do a few things. I would, I love, I've always had a fascination for writing, but I've, I'm not very good at writing if I'm honest, like can't spell. Um, so I wanted to be a journalist. I did my, I did my work experience in a local radio station. Uh, and they were like, do you want to, do you want to do the radio side or the journo side? And I did the journo side and it was cool. Oh, cool. Um, and then obviously that never, that never amounted to much. And then, um, and then the other thing was I kind of wanted to work in theatre. So I trained to be an electrician to do all lighting, you know, uh, in, in theatre. The kind of stuff where, you, you know, it looks like someone's flying, but how they do the lighting makes them not flying. And a, a friend of mine works in that industry now. So that was kind of what I went to. I went to college to do music, musical tech technology and um and uh, trained to be an electrician as well to combine them two together to go to work in theater hmm. 
try get an electrical apprenticeship mid um, recession. Not a good idea. So I didn't get an apprenticeship. And then from there, I became something that was kind of like a hobby at the time, which was cooking. I became a chef and I was a chef for a few years. I don't regret that because I met my wife there um, and uh, we've got a beautiful little baby girl now. So that's always a good thing. Um, And unfortunately, chefing has lost its way a little bit in the UK in which most of it's all microwave dinners now. So I ended up becoming like a microwave technician, as I call it, or a ping and ding. Um, and I, I got bored of that. And then I, that was it, mate. I, dro- I bounced around the, here, there and everywhere. I was in warehouses to warehouses to warehouses. And um, I was in this really lonely job in this warehouse where everybody was uh, Eastern European. Um, and there was a very small my, uh, you know, for, for, for a change, English speaking people were a minority. Um, and they were in a different section and I literally was on my own. And I remember at a young age being, yeah, it's just so lonely. And they, they called us up into this room and they said, um, I'm sorry to let you all know, but we haven't got any work. So we're going to have to let you go. I was on one of those nef- nefarious, um, zero, oh, zero hour contracts. Yeah. Um, my lighting's my, my high quality lighting system is oh, no. falling over now. So it's all gone to shit. Um, that's, that's that's how that's how people know that, that these podcasts are real that they're not scripted. They just yeah, you, just, if you, I know you're like me and you won't edit that out. No, absolutely not. This this so this is character. So everyone listening, this is this is just character. I enjoy this on podcasts. This, this is authenticity. Yeah. It's uh, I've got so many cables around me. I literally have to stay in one position. Um, so where he was, was not I? hit by the light though. That's the main thing. He was not no, hit by true. the light. Everything's. I know I have done a risk assessment. Uh, and, yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember getting called up into this room, right? And they said, unfortunately, we've got no work for you. Um, we have to let you go. And I was the only person that left that room with a smile on my face. <laughs> and, um, and anyway, two weeks later, I got a phone call from this uh, recruiting agent. I mean, I was looking for anything, but I've been doing all these different jobs for so long that I thought I could probably do like a team leader role or something. Mm-hmm. So I got, I got this phone call saying, oh, do you want a job as a health, safety, quality and environment assistant? And I was like, what's that? And she was like, uh, I don't really know. I will find out and let you know. But the interview is a day's work and you get paid. Uh, and then if you don't like it, you can just say, I don't want it. And then if they don't like you, they just won't call you back in. So do you want to do it? It's Monday. And I was like, screw it. I might as well. I'm unemployed. So I might as well get a day's work out of it. Did it. I quite enjoyed it. They liked me. Here we go. What, nine something years later, I'm still in safety. Um, and that was it really. Um, so I literally fell into this. Like when people say, Oh, I fell into it. Like I literally fell into it. I didn't even know what I was walking into on the first day. Like, <laughs> not a clue. Not a clue. That's awesome, man. That's, that's such, yeah. Because most of us like for, like for me, like I was, I was at least exposed to it and kind of knew sort of what it was. Mm. I knew that the role existed. I can't say that I really knew what it entailed because I, as most of us learn, we learn that the hard way, which is what probably some of what we're going to talk about. You don't really know kind of what you're getting into. Um, you know, I, I've shared before, like I grew up kind of work. I say I grew up working in that field, but I didn't, I grew up around a family that was working in nuclear power generation 
And mm. then I'm like, I don't want to do that. And then, so then I, <laughs> I, I ran away to, to, to college. And so most of my formal education was actually in criminal justice. So I ran away mm. and did education in criminal justice. And then it's okay, like, I don't, wow. I don't, I don't want to do that though now. So then I was like, <laughs> I want to go do something else. You know, normal, normal, normal 18, 19 year old stuff. You know, yeah. it's like, I totally know what I want to do. And then you do it and you're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, just kind of, kind of normal young man things. Right. Just like mm. do this. Nope. That. Nope. Yeah. Then, then all of a sudden, you know, I, I finally, I find myself working um, kind of on the road, kind of doing contract positions all over the United States, working in, in nuclear power plants in, in the trade, right. Just kind of doing stuff. Um, yeah. And then that's what really exposed me to the fact that there was a profession around safety. That's where I've kind of first seen that. Um, so I, I knew that it was a job. I just mm. didn't really know other at that time, other than like when those folks come around, don't know anything wrong. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I do Classic. at that time. So even my first experience is funny that, that kind of bringing that up though, that like my first experiences with safety professionals were all negative. Mm. Right. They were all yeah. dealing with, and uh, they were kind of shitheads. It's kind of dealing with like seagull safety, like the folks that like swoop in shit on everything and then fly away. Right. Mm. It's kind of dealing with that kind of safety professionals. That mm. was my first exposure to the yeah, profession. I got, so, a, yeah. uh, I got a funny story about the first, first time I came across a safety mm-hmm. professional. Right. I was in this warehouse where you weren't, I was a smoker back then, naughty boy. And okay. um, I, uh, I was, I was, we were in this warehouse. It was a great job. I absolutely, honestly, even to this day, I freaking love the job. All we did was took tires out of a lorry and threw them into the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And then they went into another lorry. It was literally all we did. <laughs> In and out all day long. And it's so cool. You, you, you got, I was so fit and strong because all you did all day was just like, bang, throwing Shut these tires guys. out. Oh, it's so fun. Anyway. Once you're in that site, once you're on site, for some stupid reason, which to this day I really cannot work out why, you weren't allowed to leave site for other than like, like you know, real reasons. So like, I don't know, you had a dentist appointment or a family emergency. You weren't allowed to leave site. Um, so we weren't allowed to leave site. The whole site was a no smoking site. There was not one smoking area. So if you're a smoker... It's an eight-hour shift, no smoking. Wow. Now, I was a very young man. I was a very silly man. <laughs> and um, we used to have a lunch break, and then we would run back up to where our bit was, where we worked, which was just this tiny little back corner of the factory, of the warehouse, sorry. And we would we would smoke in the back of the trailer. Yeah. And we would have one guy at the front of the trailer uh, keep an eye out for us, and then we would rotate, basically. <laughs> And uh, and this guy was like, oh, safety guy's coming, safety guy's coming. Quickly, like stubbing out a fag, and then and then we basically like just start pretending to unstack the tires and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> oh my god! But it was just so obvious. I mean, it stunk yeah, like, yeah. and it was so obvious. Um, and then that was the first time I ever um, ever encountered the safety guy. Obviously, looking back on it now, you know. We were to we were at fault. They were saying you're at fault, and we got a slap on the wrist. Didn't get fired or anything, but we got told off and all that. They didn't question why were we smoking. We, you know, we smoke, so you've not provided us an outlet for that. Um, there's nothing that tells me you I can't smoke. I'm legally allowed to smoke. It's my choice. So why wouldn't you allow me to do that outside? So there was no there was no thought process around. Ironically, Sam, I got fired from that job. Uh, well, technically not fired. I was on a zero hours contract. So they just let, they just said, there's no work for me. Yeah. Um, 
the reason I got fired, right, this will make you laugh. On our lunch break, we there's a there was like this pool table, like 50p in, get a pool table, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we used to the way our work kind of went, we used to end up with like three or four hours sitting around doing nothing, waiting for the next lorry to right. come in. Yeah. Um <clears throat> So sometimes we're sitting there for hours. Now, if we wanted to play pool for four hours, like the amount of 50p, it's like we didn't get paid enough to play that much pool. So we would take our gloves off and shove them in the pockets of the pool table. (laughs) We would pay for one round. Now, Smart, man. (laughs) I I was a young man at this time, very, very young, and I earned quite a lot of money at this job. Um, I was 18, you know, living in a flat on my own and a lot of money working so many hours. And, um, yeah, basically the security guard came up and was like, we're doing you all for theft. And I'm like, you what? And he's like, yeah, we're doing you all for theft because you've stole the amount of money for that game. And I was like, do you, what really? And there was six of us doing it. We were doing like a little round robin thing. And there were six of us doing it. I was the only one that got fired. I was the only one that got told off you go. And I was like, why? And it late it later came to light that that basically they just had too many people and they needed that to get rid of someone. Easy, yeah. but we we were all and that was Jesus. easy way. And I remember oh sitting God. in the sitting in this agency room, right? And this woman who was a very arrogant lady, she was like, Well, it was about 10 pounds worth of stuff. And me being a very arrogant young man, I literally took my wallet out of my back pocket. I got got like a load of 20s out, and I was like, You say 10 pounds? She went, Yeah, I went, yeah, there's 20. Now give me my job back. <laughs> yeah. She was like, no, we'll let you go. Oh Thank God, God they let me go. Otherwise I wouldn't be where I am. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. a funny story for you. I interrupted you, Sam. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was just, I was just sitting here kind of, you know, we've all got experiences like that though. Right. And just, just in the general workforce, much less in safety, right. Where you're going, really, really? <laughs> it's just like, you're oh, talking mate, about I've smoking. got so many. We, we approach. Um, and so, so there is like, there is this notion that some employers just are shitheads. Right. Mm. That, that is an admitted fact. Just as some people are shitheads and some employers are shitheads as well. Right. Mm. Um, but just, just check your smoking story. It's just, it's just hilarious because that's the way that we approach things in safety a lot of times too. Right. It's like, we're not, we're not going to fix the actual problem. We're not going to try to understand the problem. We're just going to tell you that there's a rule and we're going to hold you accountable to that rule. Yeah. And that's it. Like instead of actually yeah. trying to fix things or make things better for people or try to actually get to the, to where this is stemming from, like we've got a bunch of people that smoke and we don't give them a smoking a place to smoke and we don't allow them to leave. Mm-hmm. We're just going to double down on telling them not to smoke or else. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. You're, just, you're just going like, okay. <laughs> mm. It's backwards. It's so backwards. And yeah. it's so funny. You should say like, you know what? Sometimes you just work with dickheads yeah. and and I was actually talking to a, young, a very young lady who I work with quite a lot through a little side project I'm I'm going I'm working on, which I, I don't want to mention because I don't want to give her give it away. But she, you know, she's struggling with um, she's struggling with with her managers and stuff like that. And she she was saying to me just today, you know, how demotivated she gets sometimes for working in safety and it just being so restrictive and stuff like that. And and I just and the people that she's working with, she's struggling with people. And I was saying to her, you know what. Sometimes you just work with dickheads yeah. and she, and she was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, mate, some of the stories I have of the amount of dickheads I've worked with, I've, yes. I've had guy, I remember I was 17. No, I wasn't. I was 16. I should, I probably shouldn't have been working in this warehouse at that age, if I'm honest, like talk about child labor. Um, but it was a paper merchant and it was like, all we did was 
have stacks and stacks of paper, like so much. And like, I mean, think back on it now, fire risk assessment, like Jesus Christ, it was like a tinderbox. Um, but it was so messy and everything. I Anyway, long story short, I used to work with this guy um, who was kind of like the warehouse manager. It was the owner, the owner's wife would sit in the office at the front and then me and this warehouse manager in the back and that was it. I still to this day can't remember what I said. And I, I was a, I was a mouthy little shit when I was younger, to be fair. I must've said something to this guy he literally put his hand around my throat, shoved it up against the wall. No word of a lie. Picked me up. Like my feet were not on the ground. I'm full on choking. And that was in a working environment. Wow. I was in a working environment. You know, I've, like, I've seen that. I've seen that in a professional setting, right? Mm-hmm. Where I, I've never really seen that. I've, I look, I've, I've seen like some, some fights break out on sites with crews you know, yeah. that, you, you, you I love a good it. scrap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and look, some of them, you know, most, most employers, if not all have a zero tolerance policy around, like when it comes to fist fighting, right? So like, okay, you yeah. both go home, right? You're done. But some of them, I will, I will just admittedly say that they were for valid reasons, right? Because <laughs> mm. I've, I've seen some valid, some valid fights break out, but even, even in, you know, behind closed doors in like a management team, like, cause you know, as a safety professional, a lot of times we're hopefully we're included in that team. Right. Mm-hmm. And to see people get so angry that they pick up and throw chairs and flip over tables and scream and yell and just act <laughs> like big babies, you know, and you're like, okay, this is what we do. This is what we do. Okay. I see that. <laughs> and you're like, dude, we go home at five o'clock. Why are you getting this angry about this? Right, like, God, right, come right. on. So to your, to your point, um, you, you can, you, you can work with absolute shitheads. You can work with absolute lunatics. All of those things are absolutely present, you know, maybe, but in small numbers, but they are present within their workforces, right? So let's, 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 you know, we've been talking about kind of general work, but let's, let's dive into, so you've been in safety for nine, 10 years now, right? You've you've been doing this for a minute. Correct. Yeah. You've, you've been at this for a minute. So I'm interested to hear about, let's, let's start here. Let's say if you had to pick a handful of kind of the sucks, right? Um, in, in any order, right. But if you had to pick just like off the top of your head, a few things that you would consider the, some of the main sucks of working as a safety professional in, in this profession, what would those things be? Oh, the way, uh, the way people perceive our role, which probably what everyone would say, how, how, what people think we should do versus what we do, uh, or, or maybe not even that, maybe the best way to explain it is actually the lack of understanding of what we do or what we maybe could do would probably be up there. Number one, like mis- misperception, yeah. lack of identity around what we, what we actually do. Um, the next one I would probably say normally just safety work, like normal bog standard, real generalist level safety work, like, yeah just becomes a real sucky job sometimes mm-hmm. like PPE assessments and like just, just I'm not picking a side of the fence, but just to clarify on, on if I'm going to group it, let's call it safety one, right. As a, as a, as an example. Now I'm going to, before I take this any further, just cause I want to use that phrase because it's just easier 
than explaining crap safety. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm not going to go there, Sam. I've changed my mind. I'm just going to call it bad safety. That's much go. better. There uh, we go. Because that's uh, why we call safety one anyway. Dated dated safety management techniques. How about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and just because if there's anyone listening now and they're like, oh my God, you know, the safety two guy, like <laughs> safety one for me is not what a lot of people call it. Safety one for me is... Uh, it's just poor implementation of safety. But anyway, it's not. This is not my safety one, safety two mini series. So we'll move on from that. Um, bad safety for me, like when you're forced to do like this real command and control, outdated safety. Um, it just bores it. it. Just bores me. Like tick box, do this paperwork, that paperwork. That's a, definitely a big suck for me. What would be? Do you know what a big suck of safety is? It pretty lonely job. It's a pretty lonely job because of that first thing I said that people don't really understand what we do. Um, you know, my my mum doesn't understand what I do. I don't understand what I do sometimes. My wife doesn't understand what I do. My friends don't understand what I do. And I, all of my friends are tradies. Like they're all leckies. They're all builders, plumbers, mechanics, whatever. And we all go out and they're all they've all got these like things that they can talk about because they're all like doing this and but I work in such a kind of corporate strategic kind of role which has this perception of none of them really want to talk about work because they think I'm going to turn around and say well you shouldn't do that so it gets really lonely man like it can be a really lonely job sometimes um and then I would probably say the last one is safety people kind of really annoy me uh, a lot of the time. Like the the safety professionals sometimes just annoy the shit out of me. Like where they suck. Yeah, they really, say they, they suck. They really do. It's a, because to to your point on what you're saying, like your friends, like they think you're going to be like those people. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it's they, not even they just think you're, they think you're going to be like don't do that. <laughs> but there, there's them. There's like two. There's two groups of safety people that really piss me off. There's that, that group, the real old school command and control. You know, yep. like like this lady I saw on LinkedIn the other day put this post up about like more getting more women in safety, and she's a woman and in safety. And it was all these dickhead safety professionals in there, which were unfortunately male uh, as well, and they just look like pure assholes. And they were just going, "Oh, your shoelaces aren't undone, health and your shoelaces are undone, health and safety. Your hair's down, health and safety." Yeah. I'm like, "How can you tell that from that photo? You get no right. context of that situation. No. Therefore, the risks and hazards that you're talking about—they're all relative. Therefore, shut the fuck up and and yeah. piss off yeah. because you're giving us a really bad reputation, which we already have." And the problem is, is you take people and people really like to have the ability to tell other people what they should do mm. anyways, right? That's, that's just human nature, mm. right? And then you give a really sound moral argument, which is health and safety behind that. And they're like, fuck yeah, mm. now I can really beat people up. So if you have the wrong person, like it sounds like some of those people probably are the wrong people to be in that job. Yeah, definitely. Then they don't care about context. They just want to have the ability to say right, wrong, no in between. Yeah. Right. And and then they like to kind of just, you know, they get can show off and right? they show off their awesome safety skill that they can <laughs> observe through a picture on LinkedIn. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, you're you're a very good hazard spotter. Well done. Right, but, yeah, as, right. as I as I apply for my next role, I'm going to screenshot this and show how well I am <laughs> yeah. to my next employer. <laughs> I've circled all of these hazards. Look how good I am. <laughs> but then you've got 
then you've got this other group as well of, of people I don't really like. And they're the, the safety crusaders, right? And th- sometimes these are people that say I'm, and, and I know you kind of use a, a, a similar term and I'm not, I'm not tacking you here. Some people say, oh, I'm an ex-safety crusader because they're on this safety two side, right? And they're like, and I'm, and I'm looking at what they share, what they say, maybe the blog they wrote or the video they made or a podcast they did or whatever they did. And, and I'm like, well, you, you say you're an ex-crusader or, or you don't want to be, you're just another crusader, but for a different group. Like, so there's yeah. people that have become so far into this safety too that they've forgotten what safety two is about. And I gave, I gave a keynote the other day where I said, you know, in safety two, we always say safety, uh, pe- people are not the problem. But actually, what we actually do in our actions is we go, our people are not the problem, unless that person is talking about safety one, in which case they are the problem because they're just stupid and they don't get it. And I'm just like, we've we've now got two groups with people. We've got the dickheads in safety, a so-called safety one, which is not really safety one, it's just crap safety, right? Then you've got these dickheads over here in the safety two space that are, yeah, they're preaching a lot of the stuff that I agree with 100%. And, and, you know, maybe if I was going to employ one of them, which one would I pl- employ? Probably the dickhead on the safety two side, but they're still a dickhead. Right. They're still a crusader. Yeah, well, it's, Some it's of just, them are frankly it's, it's bullies. It's just you have, absolutely. Yeah. So either way you just have, there's zealots on either side of that aisle, right? The, the, yeah. They really don't care. Um, or at least in their actions, their actions don't demonstrate that they actually care about making things better or yeah, I don't even want to use this word safer because I think it's kind of a dumb word, but mm. making things better in general. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't really care about making things better. They just care about being right. Mm. And you can watch that play out on LinkedIn all day oh, yeah. long, right? You can watch yeah. that argument happen in comment boxes from around the globe. Look, and I get just as much of a kick around, around you know, kind of trolling. Winding them up. Some of yeah. the safety ones. So it's, like I, it's, a, it's fun, like, when you get, like, the person, like, I'll, I'll gladly admit that. When somebody posts, like, a really cool thing that's, like, you write the rules, you observe to the rules and you beat people that don't follow the rules. And that's how you make things safer. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to troll you. If you post that, I'm mm. just, I'm just, just level. I will completely troll you. If you post that. <laughs> right? Just scroll past Sam. It, it Be is, a better man. Right. Scroll past. <laughs> so I have been, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been avoiding social media actually quite a bit lately, kind of going You've into the new quiet. year, kind of going, okay, I'm going to do that. Been, been leaving social media alone. So I can focus on some other projects that shall, shall remain nameless at the time. But um, it's, for me, it, it is that it's that you you do have those they're, they're shitheads. You have folks on that side that are zealots, folks on this side that are zealots, and they're more interested in arguing with each other than they are doing anything to make anything better yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, ne- neither one can 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 give on either uh, any other arguments, mm. right? And I think that's probably one of the best characteristics of a, of a real safety professional is being able to admit that I'm wrong. I might know mm. sometimes, right? Like I'm not always right, um, but kind of kind of to that point is that most safety practitioners that you will encounter, at least a good chunk of them that I've encountered um, prior to coming into the profession, if we're kind of sharing some of those horror stories, there was no, like, there there was no conversation. It was, I'm right. Mm. You're wrong. Mm -hmm. We'll say this and that's it. Mm. Right. And that never seems to work out very well (laughs) for for somebody. It never seems to work out very well. But isn't, isn't that so, (laughs) it's it's so backwards, isn't it? Like, like I suppose I should have said this in one of my sucks actually, but like, the, the the safety role itself, how it's traditionally viewed, inherently is such a terrible idea. Like, 
it just doesn't make sense to me. Like if I think about the education I've had to become a safety professional, right, is a very traditional uh, safety professional in England anyway, very traditional safety professional uh, education. You do your knee boss general, then you do a couple of extra tag on courses, and then you'd probably do some fire risk assessment courses and, and, and then you do your, your diploma level education, right? And then when I think back onto those courses and my diploma level education, like, mate, I, I just didn't do it out of protest for so many years because I'm like, I hated how much people and companies overly rely on these qualifications, which is another suck. Like the more yeah. we talk, the more these sucks are coming out. Like so many. Well, it's, it's so, it's so similar. It's so similar because I mean, even, even here stateside, like when you're looking at like the CSP designation, mm. when you're looking at stuff coming through the board of certified safety professionals here in the United States, it's over relied upon. And I'm, I'm not picking on our CSP friends out there, but it is definitely not a requirement to get hired where I work because yeah. it's all about the person, not the designation. Right. That's the difference yeah. is folks think historically the, the, the idea has been is that you get someone that's extremely educated in standards Mm-hmm. extremely educated in how to enforce those standards and interpret those standards. And that's what you really need. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you get more into kind of the industrial hygiene side of safety and you get somebody that's really good at that and environmental and the standards. And you kind of just get that and you pull that into a designation. As long as they got a designation, you're fine. You're going to have it just not true. Right. Just, yeah. just, just totally I'm, not I'm, true. So we, we see a similar suck here that companies there, some are starting to get away from that, but they've historically leaned on that very, very, very hard to say, this, this designation and 150 years of experience. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's inherently like we're, we're a jack of all trades and, and, and master of none. Um, and that, that's essentially right. what we are. But if you look at like some, to my kind of, I realize that there's so many sucks in this that we're going to, we're going to go off on tangents all over the place, but to kind of bring this, this really, <laughs> this really pees me off that, that we haven't picked this up is that it does not make sense to me that let's say I have an engineer, right? If I take my first job of the role as a safety professional, right? Uh, new into safety, young young guy, and I go and do my new boss general, and that teaches me how to basically regurgitate the, the approved codes of practice, right? The, the, the way that we should work in England. And then I go into work, right? And I'm that traditional safety guy where I go up and I say, right, Sam, you're the engineer. You've been doing this, what, 20 years, let's say, you know, you're an old boy. You've been at this game fixing machines for, for such a long time. And you get this young 21 year old comes in and he's like, well, you're doing that wrong. We need to work out how you can do that, do that better. Cause you need to do it like I say to do it. Now, isn't there something wrong with the way that we work in the world, if somebody can be an an engineer for 20 years and they need somebody to go on a two-week knee boss general to tell them how to do that job safely, there's something wrong there. Like, so, so yeah. for me, we, we need to abolish, we need to complete, and I've got, I've got a video uh, on this coming out and that hopefully it's going to be really controversial because we need to abolish yeah, the safety like. generalist. We, we, we need to abolish the safety generalist role. It needs to go. 
It, it should not exist, in yeah. my opinion. The, the stuff that I have traditionally done in safety should be done by managers and should be done by people on the shop floor, the people that do it. Why well, Why do I have to go and tell an electrician how to do lockout tag out, which is fundamental to their yeah. role to keep them alive? Why do I have to tell them about that? And I trained as an electrician and I can't remember one day anyone telling me about lockout tag out, not one. Right. Yeah. Well, and that that's it because you have this, um, there's this idea and, and I'm sure that you face this as well, or have faced this, um, that when we have problems, right? When, when, we have, when we have a surprise, it's because there was a lack of oversight a lot of times. That's what we're going to say. I'm saying oversight here in air quotes, right? I'm yeah. not talking my opinion. I'm talking opinion of organizations here. Lack of supervision. So what do we do? We, who else better to keep someone safe than having a safety professional watching them do stuff all the time? Mm-hmm. So when something bad happens, we double down on saying safety professionals need to stand there and watch work 97% of their day. <laughs> what a shit job. And keep, bad thing, and keep bad things from happening. And this has, been, this has been an approach that's been used time and time and time again in organizations I've seen, right, to where we're going, no, 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 we don't, you, don't, you don't need to actually focus on doing things differently. You just need a safety person there with that crew all the time watching, right? Oversight harder. And that that's just, that's that dated safety stuff in, a, in just another form, right? Where we're saying there's rules, you have to follow the rules, and we're going to have someone stand there to enforce the rules upon you, mm. right? Rather than leading to kind of exactly what you were saying is that maybe we should lean into the fact that the person that actually knows how to do this best is the person that's been doing it for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? That machinist, that mechanic, that person has been working on that piece of equipment for the past 30 years of their life. But no, 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 no. There's, there's only one. This is, this is a broad assumption that we draw a lot of times too. Um, kind of to that point of kind of rookie safety pro going out and looking at something, you know, they've been taught that there's one right way to view doing that. And that's yeah. just bullshit, yeah. right? There's a thousand different right ways to do that. Now, there might only be a handful that might be in compliance with a certain set of regulations, mm-hmm. but there's still probably hundreds of different ways to approach that regulation, right? Mm-hmm. But we're going to go out and then try to pitch to, to that person that's 30-year veteran working on that machine that has got it right probably way more times than they've ever got it wrong, right? And may or may not have ever experienced any negative side effect while working on that machine the way that they've been doing it. We're going to go out and say, no, 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 all that's wrong. There's only one right way to do it. And then we expect people to appreciate our input. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And we're going, uh, okay. It's it's so backwards. It's so backwards. And, 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 you know, people, maybe, maybe that video I do won't be controversial. Maybe people will get it. Maybe people, you know, I remember when I started the podcast, my aim was to be controversial. Now it's not really. It's just, it's just kind of, take information and regurgitate it out and, and give my honest opinion. It's my aim now is to just be authentic. Um, right, yeah. So, so I don't aim for that, that video to be controversial, but I have a feeling it might be because I feel like a lot of the traditional safety people feel like I'm attacking them. I'm not like people need to remember. I'm also a safety generalist. Like that's my role. That's what pays my mortgage, pays my bills, you know, feeds my family. So if, if somebody was to watch my video, Boris Johnson was to watch my video and go, this guy's, this guy's got such, such a good idea. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write some legislation tomorrow and, and make sure that we abolish safety generalists. Yes, let's do it now. Do it now. And he does that. And then we're all out of the job. I'm out of the job as well. You don't, so that, that, that impression would have only been better with the hair. (laughs) (laughs) I can take the cap off if you want, but it's the wrong color. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) 
to, to an English person, that was a terrible, that was a terrible, <laughs> terrible uh, accent. To an American, that was so good. Yeah, that was perfect. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think I've actually heard him speak, so I think that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch American news. Do you expect me to watch any news anymore? Sure. <laughs> but so, I, but I think a lot of that still comes back to this, kind of back to something that you said at the beginning, right? the way that the safety profession is defined or the, the lack of definition for what the safety profession is, right? Um, every organization has a little bit of a different thought on what a safety professional should be for them, mm-hmm. right? And let's just level and say that a lot of those definitions are not great. Um, most of the time when you look at like a job description for a safety role, it's like 17 pages long. If you, if you look yeah, at like yeah. the roles and responsibilities and then it's still, it still has the caveat that, and then anything else we decide we want you to do, then you'll be responsible for. And mm. it's because the way that I've been kind of tossing around is that the safety profession has become a junk drawer, right? It's a junk drawer for all the shit that we don't know where to put anywhere else. Yeah, true. It's for all the shit that we don't want, you know, our leaders are busy. They don't have time. Just put it in the junk drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our frontline leaders don't have time to, to focus on safety. Your, your job is literally safety. So you're going to put it in the junk drawer. Oh mm. God, this piece of regular, I don't know what to just put it in the drawer. It's fine. Just put it in the drawer. The drawer will take care of it. Mm. Right. And then when it's all said and done, when, 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 when stuff eventually falls off the safety practitioner's plate, cause it will, cause all that stuff's getting crammed into there. Right. Then we go, Oh, something bad happened. It must be the safety professional's fault. Right. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's never, it's, it's never, it's never, that definition has never been really clear. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to make an argument for the fact that we need some universal definition for a safety practitioner. That's probably not the right answer. I don't, I don't I think that that's way too linear for the profession. Right. Mm. Um, but there probably does need to be continued conversation around, okay, at a high level, what should this function actually look like right mm. should 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 it really be the fact that you know down in the weeds standing there like trying to coach people through jobs that we don't even understand right or should it be something else right should uh-huh. it should it, what 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 should that actually look like feel like what what is that you know mm. i feel like it splits into three categories and i'm giving away my video that i'm doing here but hey <laughs> fuck it fuck it i'm giving it away for free so it doesn't make any difference um <laughs> i think if i think it, it it splits into three categories uh now the easiest way to summarize those categories is like place people process if that's how i do this at work they're like the three foundations of what we do place being the the actual place the machinery the physical the physical stuff the process being the systems, ISOs, the legal system, and the people being human factors, behaviors, and so on. So let's break that down into actual roles. I think you have three different types of roles. And and again, it, we're talking high level, because once you break these three different types, there's, there's loads of little minutiae within these. Right. But I think you have an engineer, like a safety engineer, someone who's really technical. So an engineer could be anything from an actual physical, you know, safety chemical engineer. It could be a fire engineer, fire risk assessor, someone who's really technical, right? Safety engineer is one, one group under the premise of safety, the safety profession, right? Safety engineer. Next one is like a systems and legal compliance auditor expert whatever this person exists only to interpret the legal legislation 
and the systems in which we've chosen to operate in a business and audit against those systems. That's primarily their job. ISOs, whatever you want to call them, whatever ones you want to pick, that's their job, right? These are the, because the, that potentially is what most safety generalists en- end up doing anyway, working from yeah. these systems, right? And then the last one is the people bit, a, a kind of human factors, behavioral safety, whatever you want to call it, expert, someone who really understands I don't think these people come from, I mean, this is where I'd like to sit myself, but I'm nowhere near qualified yet. But I, I, I want to see people, I don't want to see people with knee boss generals. I want to see people with like psychology degrees and masters and right. in, in psychology. It's same as in engineering. If we're, if we're working in chemicals, I want to see someone who's, who's got, you know, real, real technical understanding of qualifications in chemicals, chemical right. engineering, chemical science, whatever it's called. And, and if you're working in systems, I want someone who's got, you know, a law degree or something like that. Right. I, th- I think for me, that's what our profession sits into. If we needed to group them, I think that's where we yeah. sit. So, so me as a, to say a CEO of a company, I'm going to go, right, Jesus Christ, all of overnight, we've become this massive international body. What do we do? I need to create a safety team. Um, what does that safety team look like? I'm, well, I'm going to have a head of safety. It could be any one of those, which I choose to be. Uh, as, as my head of safety, oh, I really like you. And it just so happens that you're from the systems auditing side. You're my head of safety, right? Mm-hmm. And, and under them, they're going to employ those three people. Now, the way I think about that at the top of my head, you had those three people working together under one team with their specific focus. Instead of being a jack of all trades and a master of none, they're now a master of one, mm-hmm. each thing. They have a clear focus and the business know what you exist for. Right. Sam is a human factors guy. We're going to him for all things, human people process, uh, kind of human and organizational performance and all that stuff. Right. That's what Sam's there for. So he's, you've clearly got a definition. The next thing I think we need is something that I've actually stole from a guy I interviewed that's coming out, I think next week or for the following week. Uh, from this date, which is the 8th of January, um, a, a gentleman in England called Simon Cassin, who's, who's, who's basically just dr- waving the flag for us to have essentially kind of like a Hippocratic oath, but for safety professionals, like an ethics framework that's international for us to all operate on. Now you imagine, you think about psychological safety. What does it say? That we're all kind of, we're all going in the same direction for that same thing. We have the ethics framework. Essentially, it doesn't matter what we do, whether we're an engineer, an auditor, or, or, or a psychologist, we're all under the banner of a safety professional working within that ethics framework, and, and off we go. For me, if I was to redesign safety tomorrow, that's how I would do it. Now, everyone probably listens to this going, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've got to say, so I, I really appreciate the, the, the piece around um, – the categories now with, without trying to bucket people, like you said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm similar, you know, because I'm having these conversations kind of in, in, in more of the, the, the day job side of things about what does the structure of, of a better safety role look like anyways. Mm-hmm. And I would just tell you, it's, I like the way you put that because it's similar to kind of thought that, that, that I've kind of had an open discussions with people um, around this idea that you almost have folks that, 
that because compliance is always going to be there. We have to have folks that are good at compliance and know how to help us. Comply. Definitely. And then you put those folks over there and then you, you're going to have more of the safety sciences side of things that are like industrial hygienists and folks that are kind of environmental. You put those folks over here. Let's, let's group all of our science nerds together. You know, mm-hmm. and then you got kind of the squishy safety people that are really good at dealing with people and kind of, all, and you put those. So I think that it's exactly it because what happens is um, I mean, I'll, I'll throw out too that, you know, I'm fortunate enough that in my day to day life that I get to function in a pretty large size um, safety organization, you know, in a safety team that to where we kind of do that naturally, right? People kind of, you almost kind of develop your, you kind of show your natural talents, right? Mm. And people are like, oh, I know you should, you should call so-and-so for this because they're really, really, really good at dealing with asbestos. They know that very, very well mm. inside and out. And if you want this, maybe you should call Sam, or if you want this, maybe you should call so-and-so, right? If you need exactly. help with dealing with this. You should. So I think in, 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 at least maybe where there is more than one professional, at least in a room, right? You kind of develop your specialties kind of within that group. But the problem is, is that, you know, a lot of times that's never really, really called out. And a lot of times you have safety practitioners that are kind of armies of one. They're kind of the lone wolf practitioner. Your mic's gone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. It just told me I lost you for a second. It's gone okay. a bit crushed. Got a bit crusty now, but but I can hear you. Are we back now? Yeah, but your your mic's gone a bit crusty. Oh, a bit. I'm sure every time we speak, this happens. Every time, still crunchy. Yeah, still crunchy. What the heck? Let me see. Let me see what's going still on. Crunchy. Sounds like a dodgy lead. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Well, that's better. That's better. What yeah, that's loads better. Yeah. Better? Okay. There we go. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So hopefully we're good. Authenticity, <laughs> mate. Every time, man. I don't it's know always me. I'm like, I'm like an the, uh, it's, to your podcast. It's, the, it's like that, uh, what is it? It's like a transatlantic cable. Is that what we're running through here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> No, I, 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 no, I was just gonna say is is that a lot of times that we have that kind of army of Mm. one. So I think the hard part is, is that a lot of times organizations, they'll have a certain idea of what they want for a safety professional. And it might be that compliance person, but then they'll end up hiring a squishy Mm -hmm. person, right? That's a peopley person. Right. And then they'll go, what the fuck is this? This is what What do you mean? you mean and so you, you get these cross wires right because the organizations aren't very clear number one and what they want from a safety professional because what they want is they yeah. want everything right they want everything from one person that they can historically underpay and work <laughs> yeah. hours, right and then they're surprised when they get someone that might not align with that right so i think even with that better structure i think that's important to kind of understand that every safety professional is probably a little different right? We're all a little different. We all have different, different, uh, different education backgrounds, everything. You're kind of talking about like kind of your road to safety. Like for me, um, uh, out of all like the formal safety education that I've had, I probably use it the least in my job compared to all the other education I picked up. Right. Um, I think back to just different things that even from like graphic design, right. To de-escalation techniques, to all these other things that I learned in other courses of study that was not Mm. Related to but where I'm, where I'm kind of going with that is 
we have to have kind of, in addition to that, because I do like that, of understanding that there are different kind of categories of safety professionals, and that should be very clear, but then having that kind of general overall definition of what that role should be kind of at the mm. core of it, right? And from that core, you can tack on like, a, you know, from this core, and it, it does align kind of what you're talking about, that kind of Hippocratic oath or set of ethics. And at the core, this is what a safety professional is. This is kind of what they mm. stand for. Now you can add that science piece if you if you you know if you're a safety scientist or if you're you know industrial hygienist or whatever right, but I think it is really important because and until we really start to kind of draw that picture of what the profession I, I don't even know if it should be of what it should be or we should draw a picture of what it should should not be, right? Because so often it just I, I always circle back to the junk drawer. So often we just take on mm. everything. Hmm what should not be or what it should be. Hmm. That's hard to work out. It, it, yeah. it is, it is. I love that junk drawer, junk drawer analogy you use. It's, um, it is quite literally that. I think there is an onus whilst, whilst we're not in, I mean, we're just kind of detailed what the safety profession heaven, I suppose. Like that's what we want it to be. Um, <clears throat> that's our dream ideal state. So whilst we're not there, I think there's an onus on us as safety professionals. Like I am very clear in, in my, well, I wasn't in the beginning because I didn't know, but you know, in this, this job I've got now is quite new. So when I'm hunting for this job, uh, I'm very clear in the kind of person I am and, and what I'm looking for out of a job. Like, I think we have an obligation on us to tell the employee, the potential employee, you know, which is easier said than done. It depends on where you are financially and so on and so forth. But, you know, I would sit in, I sat in my interview and said, if you're looking for somebody to just look after a system and audit people and, and, you know, kind of be really systems and compliance focused, I'm not your man. And that was it straight up. Um, and and I think that's huge. That's huge. Even when you're looking for jobs, right. I've shared mm -hmm. that with folks a lot. Um, and again, you're right. Like I, I remember when I first jumped into this job and again, I was working as a contract person kind of traveling around because that's what I started with in kind of general industrial work anyway. So I kind of carried that on for a little while until I kind of settled into more permanent, not, not traveling around roles, you know? Mm. Um, and at the time, you know, when you first get into it, you're just kind of, you're, you're just experience hungry, right? So yeah. you just, you'll jump and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, right? There's probably when you're young in this profession and you only have a year or so under your belt, you might have to jump on jobs that you oh, might definitely. Not yeah. Right. Um, but then you do get to that point to where, like you said, I mean, that's that's where I landed. And I will tell you that as a safety professional, that setting that standard for myself and saying that I will like I will not work for a company that has this, 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 this. Yeah. And I'm not not picking not picking on those companies. I guess I kind of am, but not really. I'm just saying that, like, if if I look at the job description and the, the first bullet point says help to control or help to enforce our zero safety incident culture, I will not apply will not refuse unless I'm just want like a good fight. Like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like I will, I will, will not like refuse to apply, right. Refuse to apply. I'm like, not doing that, not doing that. Or you just look at those where it's like, you can just tell, you can just tell what type of role it is just by reading the job description. Right. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, like it's on, some of them are very cringeworthy, right. You're just reading them. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this, this, as we mentioned, like 17 pages of responsibilities and travel 97% of the time <laughs> as, as, as needed by the company. You're like, this right. So you kind of get to that point to where you can almost sense that company 
you know, as you're reading the job descriptions, the kind of trigger words that you see kind of in there and you're going pass, 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 pass. But I will tell you, once I set that standard for myself and said that, you know, you know, just making sure that I apply to a place that at least sounds like, right, that that's a place that I would want to be. And then once you go on that interview, kind of getting into more of the nuts and bolts of maybe your job seeker, safety professional friends out there, once you mm-hmm. go on that interview, you know, realizing that you're as much there to interview them as, as, as you're there for them to interview you. Definitely. There's been several interviews that I've walked into um, several years back before I found myself in, in my current day job role. Um, of going, getting halfway through an interview and be like, look, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm no longer interested. <laughs> you know, and just leave me because of oh, the type of question. I just have to have the boys to do that. <laughs> you know, um, but so, but the reason why I say all that is because going through all the stuff that I know I personally went through in the safety profession, kind of my, my personal sucks and kind of feeling my way through where I wanted to be, um, going through some of those shithead employers that we kind of talked about, you know, setting those standards for myself, um, it found me at an employer that was exactly what I was looking for. Right. It just took some time, right. To kind of, to kind of find my way there and mm-hmm. then go, okay. So you like, you guys want me to like, mm. you guys actually want to hear my opinion. Like, this is mm. cool. <laughs> Even it's if you just, don't agree with it, you want to hear it. What? Yeah. <laughs> some, sometimes I think we have to, maybe this is just in England, but I think we, we, I mean, Sam, how long have you been in safety now? Uh, just a little bit longer than you, like 10, 12 years. So we've both been in the profession for 10-ish years, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're still having conversations now on what our profession should look like. Absolutely. So, so how can we expect all employers and all job adverts to completely describe the job in the way in which we want it to be? Exactly. Because even we can't do that. So I do think that whilst I agree with with you, there are some red flags in a job advert in which I'll be like, nah, I'm all right. Thank you. Sometimes we have to take some of them with a pinch of salt and, right. and, yeah. and go in. So, and, and go in and, you know, sometimes you, you even have to pitch the job to the, to your prospective employer. Like, damn, if you want the job and you think I really want the job, but how they've described it, it's not how I would do it. Like, I don't want to be in an office nine times. I want to be on the road or on the floor or whatever, right. you know, right. get an interview and go in there and say, hi, um, well, do the interview, get to the interview. Have you got any questions? Yeah. I'd be wondering if, I'm wondering if you would completely redesign the role uh, to look like this, because this is what I think it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so whilst I do think there are some red flags, I also think you have to take some of them with a pinch of salt. Um, yeah, understand that, you know, sometimes they write the profile of a safety professional in, in a certain way because they think they should write it mm-hmm. in that way. Like, can you imagine telling somebody, don't write on that job description of your safety professional that we want someone to uh, help us be compliant. Right. And they would turn around and say, what? So you don't want us to, we, you're saying that we want to tell everyone we don't want to be compliant. Right. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's not what I'm saying. But the word compliance turns people like James McPherson away. Like right. I hate that word, mm-hmm. but I have to, I have to accept that. It's just a word and that people have a perception of that word. And also it's just a word, but it actually does exist. Like you said earlier, compliance exists. So we have to be compliant. 
Yes. So just because I don't want to be in a job that constantly focuses on compliance, that may not be what they want. So I go to the interview and exactly, that's the best advice that I've ever got is what you said there. You're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Never yes. leave an interview that you want without asking them a shitload of questions. When they say to me in an interview, James, you got any questions? Mate, I'm getting my notebook out. Like yes. the amount of questions I will have Practically, I'm like, now it's my turn. You know, one of the best things to throw out there too is, is this, and, and most, most, if you're in a position to where you can, especially if you're at like a location, ask them to show you around. Mm, yeah, you, definitely. You can, you can chat with people while you wander around. You can get yeah. a really good kind of feel mm. of what it's like to work somewhere, yeah. right? When you walk outside on the floor and everybody's like, you know, frowning and you're mm. like, oh, okay, what's going on? Or you walk out and everybody's yeah. just like sunshine and rainbows. You're like, this place is cool. Like, I want to. Yeah, yeah. Just, and then I, you, um, will, you know, ask, ask, take the tour, right? Get the ticket, mm -hmm. take the tour, you know, ask the questions, you know, do all that stuff. And you can get a really good sense, you know, as you know, for sure. Definitely. Of kind of what, I asked what you a guy, might be um, walking into. Mm, I asked a guy that I went to an interview with, to be fair. I mean, to, to talk about like what we're talking about here, like I'll, I'll be completely authentic with you. Um, before I had this job, Mate, I was at a low, like a real low. I was struggling to find a job. I'd, I'd been stubborn for so many years about doing my my level six diploma that I, I, di I didn't have it. I was nearly finished it and I didn't have it. Um, and, and nobody would interview me. Like, And I've been in, at this point, I'd been in the safety career for, you know, like seven to nine years, some point. I was looking for a job for a long time. And I could not get manager, head of job, you know, the position I wanted, the salary that I needed, I couldn't get it. Right. And and having, you know, recruiters tell me, um, you know, well, we don't really think you're right for that job. And I'm like, but why? Because, and this comes back to what we were talking about earlier, that over-reliance of qualifications and professional chartered memberships and all that crap. Um, and people saying like, well, you're, you're not chartered or you don't have a level six diploma. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, but you're asking for someone with, with at least five years experience. I've got eight. You know, yeah. you're, you're asking for somebody with um, experience doing, I don't know, warehouse fire risk assessments. I've got experience fire risk assessing hospitals and and blocks of flats. Like I've, yeah. I've got absolutely everything you want. Someone who's been a trainer, I've been a twice accredited trainer. You know, damn, I've trained people on terrorism awareness for fuck's sake. Yeah. I'm, I'm ticking all your boxes and they just turn around and go, well, yeah, but you don't have the diploma. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that can, you can get really low that and I really did like got really really low but to your point like I think you need to be clear on what you want because I went to get to my point I went to a job that was way below me it was basically an advisor job for this tiny little factory just because I was desperate to get out of my job because I was so unhappy there um I wanted to I would take anything and they turned me down um they turned me down for some bullshit reason but I was way overqualified for that job and I shouldn't, I shouldn't have even been in that room. Um, and they turned me down for it. And that was when I hit my low, like I really hit my low. Even they wouldn't take me. Um, uh, like I felt like at the time I wanted that job loads. I didn't want that job. I'd have been bored there within about a year at least. Yeah. And I'd yeah. have left. Um, and I ended up getting this job, which I absolutely freaking love. Like it's the best job in the world. But to get to my point, when I was at that interview, um, I, there was a guy in there who had been there for like nine, 10 years at that same company. Um, and I said to him, why do you, why have you worked here for so long? 
and his manager was in the room and he was like, um, what, so, so, sorry, what, 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 what do you mean? And I said, we, I've checked you out on LinkedIn and you've been at, you've been at this factory for, for about nearly 10 years. Why, why do you, why have you worked here so long? And he couldn't give me a straight answer. And he was just like, I, and I genuinely got the feeling that he didn't want to be there. And yeah. he, he hated the idea that he was there for 10 years and even though I hit really, I got really low when they turned the job down and stuff like that, I, I kind of knew I didn't want to work there because of his response. Mm. You know, I wanted someone to turn around. Like, Why have you been here for 10 years? And they turn around and say, I just fucking love it here. Like, I just love the people. I, you know, I love the job, whatever. They really look after me. My manager's like my brother, you know, whatever. Something like that was what I was looking for, for someone who's been there for 10 years. And he was just like, well, you know, um, you know, the ben- 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 benefits are good and, you know, all just some real crappy answers. And I was just like, wow, what a crap answer to that yeah. question. Yeah. Just cause I just, just, just because that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, some of that I think is really important to my opinion is that we almost have to, I think some of those things have been wrestled away from us or maybe they, 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 they didn't put those in our wheelhouse to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like the hiring of safety professionals, I'm not speaking out against recruiters. There's some amazing recruiters out there that are really good at their yeah. job. I'm, I'm not picking on them, but I'm just saying that um, like job descriptions, like maybe you should have your safety professionals help you write your safety professionals job. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, <laughs> yeah. not just the legal department. Right. Yeah. Um, when you're, when you're, when you're looking at resumes, maybe you should have your safety leaders, your folks that work in that profession look at those resumes. Cause I don't know about you. You know, I've, I've worked for several large companies. I've had the opportunity to bring in both contract and permanent safety people and hire some folks, you know, and going through stacks of resumes. Like I got down to the point where I can look at a resume and kind of almost weed through BS really fast. I can almost mm. find the one that, you know what I mean? Kind of not looking at just degrees and, and, and other qualifications, but just kind of like browse, browse, browse. And go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's experience in that, you know? So when you, we almost have that that sense towards, especially we already we already as a professional hiring for a site that we're on, we kind of already know what's needed anyways. When you mm. just quickly turn that over to a recruiter or to your HR department, then the only thing they have to go off of is that job description that was then drafted probably by legal or someone in a combination of a recruiter and a legal department, right? That comes up with that 17 page document that we're talking about that we're seeking. And then if for some reason on the higher level, they're like, well, they do not have 150 years of experience plus a a (laughs) master's degree, then no, just pass on them immediately. Right. Mm. And I think we, 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 we step over folks that could be amazing amazing safety professionals. I think back back to my first, my first run into safety, other than just some, you know, other, other than just some classes that I'd taken because I decided that's the direction I wanted to go. You know, Mm -hmm. my resume would not have been at the top of the pile of folks to pick, (laughs) you know, I mean, definitely not, you know, compared to others, I'm sure that were applying for those, you know, I was a safety tech one and it was one just because there was nothing lower than a one, right? That's the Mm -hmm. lowest safety position they had in the organization, (laughs) but it was that right. You get, having those folks have that opportunity to at least kind of, kind of try. Mm. I think it is important yeah. for all that's going is just saying that if you're hiring for safety positions, we put, should probably involve safety professionals in that process. Right? Yeah. Kind of similar to like, if you're developing a structure for your safety department, you should probably involve safety professionals in developing that structure. Right. Yeah. It, it still goes back to the same concepts that we talk about all the time. Right. You want to involve the folks that actually do the work. If you're going to design the work. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. If we have HR designing what safety looks like, that's probably never going to work very well, right? If, if, we, know, if we have our board I, developing what safety looks like, that's probably never going to work very well. 
Yeah. I'd go one step further and I'd even go to the people that you're, that you're going to be working with, like the, the engineers on the shop floor okay. or whatever, and say, what, what qualities would you want to see in the safety yeah. professional that you've got to work with? And if yeah. they turn around and say, do you know what? We're all a bunch of dickheads. We need a police officer. You know, you might not have even, I would never write anything like that in a job application, but they might want that. Um, and, and, and vice versa. Um, and sometimes I think that would, that would even help, I think, on removing that perception of the safety professional. Like they automatically don't like me and I'm not even on site yet. Um, so the first two visits of me on site is, is me just being friendly with them and showing them I'm not a dickhead. Um, and, and that's because of this perception. So maybe if you're employing somebody, you went to the shop floor and you said, what do you want from our safety professional? And they went, you know, we want someone who's funny, can have a laugh, you know, sense of humor, put it in the job description. Yeah. I would apply for anywhere, any job, if it said must have a sense of humor, I would be like, I'm there, I'm there <laughs> but, straight but off. You know, the, the squishy soft skills, which are, are essential to our profession, that's usually the stuff that's never mentioned. Exactly. Right? That's, exactly. That's, that's never mentioned. It's rarely mentioned. And those are probably the most essential skills in what we do right now. Yeah. Now, granted, now, now they might not be as essential in some of those other boxes that we talked about, right? <laughs> if, if you're a safety engineer and you're going to be sitting there behind your computer working on safety engineering stuff, you're going to be out in the field, maybe doing some basic kind of field engineering, you're probably mm. not going to need um, the level of squishy skill that you might need is more of kind of a general kind of walkabout safety professional, right? Yeah. Um, you're probably not going to need as much if you're, you know, a, a safety scientist of some form, right? But yeah. you're still going to need some because you're still going to have to interact with people, right? You're still mm. going to have to form relationships. You're still going to have to go out and try to influence a lot of times without authority. And a lot yeah. of the ways that you influence that authority is by developing relationships, Right. You have to develop relationships Definitely. to be able to do that. And if you don't have the skills that allow you to be viewed as something other than a shithead, right, then you're never going to be able to develop those relationships and mm. you're never going to have any real actual influence. Now, unfortunately, organizations, um, you know, neglecting that skill set as being a requirement is one thing. But then often back to kind of picking on the kind of the, the, expe the expectations for safety professionals is we almost push them in an entirely different direction and say, mm. we don't want you to be warm and squishy. We don't want you to worry about relationships. We want you to go out and enforce the rules and keep people from getting hurt because we think that's how you keep people from getting hurt, right? Is mm -hmm. you go out and you catch people doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. And then of course people think we're shit. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I 100% agree with everything that you and I have just said. <laughs> there we go. I like it. <laughs> so it's approved is what you're saying. It's approved. Yeah. It's got the rebranded safety badge on it, 100%. <laughs> I want a stamp. We should get stamps. You should like, definitely get like stamps. Like an actual stamp. <laughs> definitely get stamps. We were, we were talking about this being like pen pals. We could put our stamps and send each other letters back and forth. Definitely. <laughs> I need like a little animation you can put on the video, like stamp. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to go can. like, I want to go like old school. I'm going to send like, I'm, I'm just going to send you a letter with like a wax seal and then like a stamp <laughs> inside. <of it. laughs> I would freaking love a letter with a, with a wax seal on it. How cool would that be? You get like, this, or it's, it's rolled, it's rolled. It's not even folded, it's rolled in a tube and you pull it out and it's got oh, like, like a, a scroll. The, the, yeah, the string around it with the wax stamp, wax seal over the string. And I will only <laughs> accept two delivery methods, man on a horse or a pigeon. That's think, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm thinking man on a horse with a pigeon. That would probably be. <laughs> <better>. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I think we I think we dove into some pretty cool stuff and we dove into the depths of hopefully of the sucks of safety. I think one thing that our conversation really highlights is that there's a lot, right? There's a lot of things that we have to continue to focus on. And I know for me, man, I'm, uh, it makes me excited to know that there are folks out there like you um, that are constantly fighting to try to make this profession better, because I think that's the only way that look, the, I, I'm to that point, you know, I, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties, you know, I'm to that point to where hopefully one day I'll be able to see retirement and I would like to leave this profession better than how I found it. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, that's the key, right? That's the key. I, I, I don't want to, um, for me, I, I want to be in a position, but at least by the time my daughter gets to the age of being in the workforce, of being able to say, this is a pretty good job if, if you want to go do this. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have said that three or four years ago. I wouldn't have said that five years ago. I'm getting, maybe, maybe, I don't know yet. I don't know if I'd point her in this direction right now, but hopefully, hopefully one of these days. Yeah, I I um <clears throat> I spoke to Tanya Hewitt a long time ago on my podcast and we got into talking about values and stuff like that quite a lot. And and at the same time I've just finished reading uh, Simon Sinek's um Start With Why book. Yeah. And for a long time I've been racking my brain like what what is my why? Like do I really want everyone to be safe? And like, I've stolen this quote from Spock in Star Trek in that safe is a relative term. Mm -hmm. So how could I have a a value that is a relative term? Because my safe is different from your safe. So that couldn't be a value. And then I remember when I was a kid in junior school. So this was, that's how long ago this was, which I don't know what you would call junior school over there, but I think junior school is like, well, it's younger than 13. So you're 13 when you go to senior school. So I must've been like 10, something like that. So we, we, we mostly have, so we have, um, elementary, right. Um, where I grew up is elementary, middle school, and then high school. So it would have probably fallen into the middle school, high, middle kind, school. Yeah. Kind of category. Cause that, that was between for us, it would have been between, um, grade six through eight. So right. Kind of right, right, right in there. So that would have been, yeah, I would have probably been middle school, probably been like 13-ish, somewhere right around in there. Right. Yeah, yeah. 13-ish, kind of so, right in teenage, beginnings well, of definitely, teenagers. Definitely younger than 13 because 13 was when we go to senior school in England mm. and it and it, was, and it wasn't my senior school. Um, but anyway, the, the, the age is, is not, not relevant really. Uh, I was young and um, we, uh, we had this like football competition on sports day. That's soccer for you weirdos over your way. And... Um, <laughs> And we had this, this, this soccer competition, right? And I mean, I don't really like, I hate soccer. If I'm honest, I hate football. I'm a rugby man. But back then I didn't, didn't know. I and mean, we play football and, um, and I'm a very fair, I, I play fair. Like I'm overly fair. Like even if it's against my team, I'm fair. So there's this one specific moment where the head teacher of the school was the referee. The ball went out and uh, the ref didn't see who kicked it out. And I went, uh, I kicked out, it was their ball. And, uh, and that's just how I've, that's how I've always been. I've, even as a young kid, I've always been like that. Like, be respectful. It's kind of like manners make the man was, was a saying my grandma always used to say to me. And, and be yeah. fair. Fair's just been ingrained in me. Um, 
And that, for me, that's what my why is. Like, I just want to see more respectful, more fair workplaces. Um, and I, I wanted, I want a Galaxy chocolate bar for being the, the what did they? I can't remember like the fairest player or something like that. <laughs> uh, I ate the chocolate bar before I even got home. Um, but for me, that that's what I tried to do, and I think, I think that is what. Like I'm the same as you now. I've my daughter is nowhere near as, as grown up as yours. My little baby girl is only four months old, and 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 now I think like well, I would I never want her to work in the places that I've like I said you know I've had men put their, their hands around my throat. I've been screamed at. I've had full on scraps with people like you said yourself. You've seen scraps. It, it's like I, I would it would break my heart if my daughter was working in a place like that. So for me, I just want people to be a bit more respectful to each other, a bit fair to each other. And um, that that's my that's what I want to do out of what I'm doing at rebranding safety, and the same as what you're doing here. Is, um, I like what you call about being better, like you know, an evangelist for uh, for better and, and stuff like that. And my wife says to me all the time, she said, James, you need to you need to kind of understand that the the changes that you're trying to bring probably won't happen until you know you you're near your deathbed, uh, and that's really morbid yep. and horrible, but you know what, as long as they happen whilst I'm in my yeah. deathbed, I'm not really bothered. Um, but yeah, definitely. It'd be nice to turn around and, and say, oh yeah, I did a little bit towards that. That's that's that's, that's cool. It. And you know, we're that's doing it. it already, Sam. Like, I don't yeah. know about you, but like I get such lovely messages sometimes from people and doing a podcast that are going to leave the profession or they, you know, they just found it entertaining. Or, you know, some people have said to me, you know, oh, I listened to your podcast on the way to an interview and it gave me loads of uh, really good answers for my interview and stuff like that. And, you know, one, I remember one girl saying she was really kind of disenfranchised with the profession and was going to leave. And, and I said, um, and she messaged me and she said that, you know, cause of the podcast, I've decided to not give up and kind yeah. of keep fighting and be the change that I want to see, which is my kind of banging against the drum, be the change you want to see. Um, and, and I bet you get the same all the time because what you do is just outstanding. I love, I love your work. It's uh, great. Yeah. Thank you. It's, you know, for me, it, oh, it's, it's, oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Hear me got now? you. Got you. Yeah. See, that's all, all our, all our folks that like real deal conversation. Here it is. It's always, <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and you, man. I don't know what it is. Something, something, something always happens every time. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a conversation between us if this didn't happen. <laughs> no, I said, mate. It's, it's, yeah. You know, for me, it's this thing about, um, I just, I'm a firm believer and call me, call me old fashioned, I guess, but I just think work shouldn't suck. It mm. shouldn't suck to have to go to work. Um, even for safety professionals, <laughs> even for yeah. us, it shouldn't, it shouldn't but suck. We to accept, have to go to work. we've accepted that, that work is shit. Like out there, like another day, another dollar. There's sayings out there like, more oh, just a, you know, same shit, different day. Like, why do we accept that? Like, right. like really why? Do, and I love what Tanya talks about and that she talks about creating meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Um, she takes a lot of stuff from Pat Lancioni and, and she talks a lot of stuff around the same as what, you know, Simon Sinek talks about, but why is it acceptable that we all just hate our jobs and crave for the weekend? Like, I'm not saying you should never crave for the weekend. No. It's fine to have a busy week and a stressful week and just crave for just two days of doing nothing. I get that. But 
every week to come to the end of the week and be like, oh my God, I can't wait to have a beer or have a whiskey or open the wine just to kind of relax. It's like, it shouldn't be like that. Well, I think the worst part for it, and I know, I know in our profession and it's present in other professions as well, but it's almost like we feel like that suffering makes it that much more noble. Yeah. Right. We, we almost look at it and go, well, I'm supposed to suffer at work. Mm. Right? No, I'm a safety professional. I'm supposed to work 19 hours a day yeah. and, get, and, and get paid for eight. Right. I'm supposed <laughs> to do that. Right. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here so much that I have a cot in my office. Yeah. Right? I'm supposed to never see my family. I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to get beat by management all the time and called onto the mm. carpet for things that I can't even control. I'm supposed to be like that. Right. Because yeah. that suffering somehow at, at, at some point, at some point it's we've had this picture painted for us that that's just that role. And for some reason that that makes it that much more noble, like our suffering is countering this, the, the potential suffering of others. Right. Like for, yeah, for, yeah. that's some, however, that that's gotten to be that way, but it's wacky, right. It's wacky and it's not true. Mm. Right. Mm. And unfortunately, kind of, as you mentioned, you know, I've got some of those messages too, where folks are like, I was going to leave. And unfortunately, fortunately they stayed, but not all of them stay. And there's a lot of great yeah. safety professionals. I had some of them I know personally that have just gotten to the point where like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Like yeah. <laughs> some of them have since come back as the, as the climate has changed, but some have left and will probably never, never return. And the unfortunate part about that is, you know, the great safety professionals leave every day because, Work sucks and it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to suck. But it will so, never change if you keep walking away from it. Right. Like, right. Well, we need to be in it and be the change. I'm, I'm not sure how things, not to go open up another can of worms, but I think this is an important point, is I'm not sure how things, um, what, what, the, what the sentiment is kind of on your side of the pond there. But here, you know, within kind of the larger scale, grander safety professional organizations, within larger groups of safety professionals, people are very quick to just stick their head in the sand mm. and just go, no, 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 everything's fine. Everything's fine. We have mm. jobs. Just shut up. Don't, don't stir the pot. We have yeah, jobs. Yeah. Just don't, don't mess everything up. Everything's fine. They put on their blinders you know, they're like, no, everything's good. But fortunately there's a large group of folks now, like, you know, and I'm not saying that I started this or anyone in particular started this, but there's a large group of folks that have finally connected. I think we were all doing stuff around the same thing. We all kind of had the same thought and then everyone's kind of starts talking and we're like, Oh my God, like that person thinks that, that person too. And then we've all kind of finally got together, sort of band together, talk a little bit about it and kind of squawk this message to the masses. Definitely. So, it's so a revolution. Finally, finally, it started to actually pick up a little bit of traction. And I think it's important to, I know in the past several years that I've seen the safety profession change significantly. Mm. Right. I can think just back over the past, uh, pandemic our, our pandy our pandy aside right mm-hmm. i think if they back over the past year i've seen a lot of positive changes in the profession so i think that's that's really testament to the great work that you've got going on that others out there have going on that this whole kind of greater community has going on of trying to just chip away at the suck right and that's kind of where i land on it is like if i can walk away from like i probably won't get to retire until I'm like 100 that's just how it's <laughs> probably going to work but uh, when i if i survive to retirement and i get to retire at 100 <laughs> years old <laughs> then if i can look back and say that i just made things suck a little less i'm okay with that i'm totally okay yeah. with that well yeah. what did you think about that I know what I thought about it. James is awesome. There's a reason why James has been on um, almost, almost as many times as a couple other folks. He's he's right there in like that top three of folks that just always come back and hang out just because I love 
getting to spend time with James. Just just personally, he's just a great dude to get to sit around and chat with. Um, but the stuff that he's got going on with Rebranding Safety is just epic. So make sure you're following along with Rebranding Safety, the podcast, uh, and, and his YouTube channel. It is like one of the best, if not the best, safety YouTube channels out there because it's not boring. It's not starchy. It's not like, here, I've got three tips on fall protection for it's not like that at all it's like a ton of great information and it's entertaining and it's fun and it's all of those things i like to uh, i like to pick on him and call him um the hop nerd uk and he likes to pick back and call me rebranding safety us and that's all from a place of love because i just really 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 like his style i don't know because it seems kind of familiar we kind of have this same kind of this same kind of vibe going on where we think that um i don't know safety podcasts don't have to be boring and they don't have to be suit and tie kind of starchy like this stuff can be fun like it, it can be fun and it can be like delivered by like normal people that aren't boring and drab. like it can be fun and I think James really proves that he's a great example of getting your message out in an entertaining and fun way and impacting a lot of people in a very positive way so he's got some great, he's got a great mini series going on, Safety 1, Safety 2 stuff that you should check out. I mean, just just great stuff. So I can't say enough great things about James. And he's the one who linked me up to Calendly, as I said. So there we go. That's all I've got. The Hop Nerd Podcast is done. It's over for today. I'll see you, uh, I don't know, probably Wednesday and then uh, next week. Sam Goodman, The Hop Nerd. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>